0: Okay. We're studying Revelation chapter uh twenty-one and twenty-two, uh, those two chapters. I apologize to you guys back there in the sound booth. I forgot to give you the title of this message. Just give it something, okay? Revelation twenty-one and twenty-two. Um Many years ago, um, I used to do quite a bit of mechanic work, and in doing that, you have to go and buy tools and things of that sort. And I remember going to the Craftsman Sears store, and I bought me a, a big, upright, uh, drill press, brand new, the best, it was the best that they had, I brought that thing home, and <coughs> it was such a, an advantage to me to have that drill press, and a person came along, that I will not mention, because <laughs> it was a long time ago, you wouldn't know anyway, and, uh, and asked, could they use it? And I said, sure, yeah, you can, you can use it. But it just turned out to be a person that did not uh, really know a lot about th- tools and how to take care of them and things of that sort. And so he put in the uh, the vice, which is an adjustable vice. Uh, an object that he was going to drill a hole through, and I I guess it was metal or something like that. And he started drilling and drilled through the item that he wanted to uh, uh, drill a hole in, but he did not know how to adjust the uh, device uh to prevent drilling a hole right into the uh the tool itself. And so the person didn't really say anything to me about it or anything. And uh I went down to to use it uh, a day or so later and I noticed that uh my drill had a hole drilled in it where it was not supposed to have a hole drilled in it. And I was just really disappointed in a lot of ways because um, I think that most people are like I am. When you get something nice, you want to keep it that way. You want to keep it nice. And so I was kind of disappointed And I've learned over the years, that, especially when you loan things out to people, they might not take care of it the way you would take care of it. Now, the reason I have said these things is because I want to introduce you once again to the creator God of the universe. And how he felt about it after the sixth day of creation because it was perfect, absolutely perfect. There was not one flaw anywhere. And it was his will that it remain exactly that way forever. Well, I can sort of enter into those kinds of emotions because all of my life um, I've had things that were important to me and uh, of great value to me. And I wanted to keep it that way as long as I possibly could. I wanted to keep it new, keep it new. And invariably... Things would happen uh, many times because of myself and my own uh, frailty and ignorance. I've done made a lot of decisions that were wrong that caused newness to pass away and things to happen that would... Uh, Uh, disappoint me and this happened with God in the garden of Eden Um, Adam and Eve messed it up that which was perfect they messed it up and from that point on throughout the rest of the Bible you have the emotions of God over it. Not only how he messed themselves up in terms of his, his desire for them, for Adam and Eve, forever. He wanted them to be perfect. He wanted them to be one with him. One. He didn't want them to ever think different from him as though somehow or other their idea was better than his, or somehow or other they could improve on perfection. There's only one truth in the universe. There's only one definition of right, and there's only one definition of wrong. <clears throat> there are not two, there's only one. And the sin in the Garden of Eden was Eve falling for that temptation that she could improve on God's perfection. And that she had a mind. And she had capability in her body to do many things. As a matter of fact, to make her will be done. As she thought, it might be better than God's way. And it caused a division. And Eve essentially enthroned herself above God as being wiser than him. And she saw within herself the capability of doing better than him in terms of works. Sure did. And it caused division. And that was the beginning of the war of the gods where man set himself up as the center of the universe, the arbiter, the revelator of truth as self sees it. (laughs) And uh, the whole rest of the Bible is about the folly of such thoughts because there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We find that statement in the book of Proverbs several times. And so when we get to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, I'm telling you that you cannot appreciate these two chapters until you understand what happened in the beginning. What happened to God's perfection and what he had conceived and what he did in creating the heavens and the earth. It was perfect, perfect. And we came along and messed it up. Sure did. Revelation 21 and 22 is about the Lord doing something about it. And we need to see him as big enough to do it. And that is to create a new heaven and a new earth that's going to be perfect forever along with everybody that's in it. And those who come to understand the message of this book are going to become converted away from this idea of independent thinking. And we're going to be Uh, understanding Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 a lot better. It is him that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The whole Bible is dedicated to bringing that about. And the issue is, is God wise enough? Is he powerful enough to accomplish that? And I tell you, yes, he is. And his will is going to be done. And his will is perfection. And nothing short of it. Perfection. Forever. And so he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And the only people that are going to be in it are going to be the people who think exactly like he does. And because they have chosen with their free will in this world, on this side of heaven, on this side of death, because they have acknowledged their mistake, their sin against him, their crime against God, because it's a crime, it's a crime, to do what we did, and to do what we do in our nature, which is self-centered and selfish. We're born that way. When we begin to realize the error of our way, we're going to use our free will to choose to be made like him and be conformed to the image of the Son of God That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be born all over again. To be raised from the dead with the life of Christ as our life. That's what it means. And we use our free will as a result of what we've learned from this book that that's what we want. And we are not robots because of it. We're the essence of sanity. It is insane for a finite mind to believe that we can know and do better than an infinite God with infinite wisdom and infinite power. That's insanity. To think that we can think better than God and do better than God. That's absolute insanity. It's a form of schizophrenia, which by definition means out of contact with reality. Anybody that is separated from the God of the universe, whose word is truth, and can think they can improve on it, is insane. They're schizophrenic. They're out of contact with reality. And so, we use our free will to invoke his wisdom and power in converting us away from what we were in our sin nature to being like him just like him. And so God's plan of salvation is a reversal of the fall where Adam and Eve decided to go away from God on their own because they thought they could do better that way. It's going to be reversed in the mind of the believer that believes the message of this book. And we're going to run to Christ, and our prayer is, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Not my will on earth, but thy will on earth. That's union and communion with God. And that's what salvation is. And anybody that does not understand the radical conversion that has to take place when it comes to this condition Salvation is conditional. It's conditional. It's not unconditional in the sense that no matter who you are, Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, therefore the whole world is saved. That's that's not true. That's a lie. The message from heaven is conditional. Except you repent you shall all likewise perish. That's conditional. There has to be a willingness to believe God when he says that we're monsters of iniquity, deserving of hell. A person has to believe that. A person has to believe that to hate their life because Jesus Christ said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. But he that hateth his life in this world, the same shall keep it unto life everlasting. That's John's Gospel, chapter 12. I think verse 25. Well, you got to have a reason to hate your life. And this book right here gives you the reasons for hating your life. I got saved 50 years ago after 26 years of trying to improve on God, thinking that my version of truth, my version of right and wrong was better than his, and I found myself in a world surrounded by influences that thought exactly the same way. And it wasn't until God in his mercy and grace sent somebody my way to tell me uh, essentially that I was insane. And explained to me why I did not have an expected end that I could obtain because I had one regret right after another, because there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in there are the ways of death, and I began to realize more than I ever had before, by the time I was 26 years old, I'd almost died twice, once with chemical pneumonia because of uh, my ignorance in siphoning kerosene out of a tank and got it into my my my, my breathing my respiratory system, and I almost died. When I was a teenager, a second time I almost died was in a seven forty seven jet plane uh, flying from Amsterdam to Brussels, Belgium and I thought it was going to be the last day of my life. We got caught uh, into such turbulence. The plane went dark, no lights, thousands of feet above the ground. The lining in the top of the jet plane began to fall out on top of people. And I was sitting there as a college graduate thinking, well, I just wasted seven years of school. I'm fixing to die. And uh, I later sent a a note to my mom and dad because obviously I survived. I am here right now. But I sent my, my parents a note saying that uh, I had discovered something that I had never thought about before in that experience. And that is that a scream sounds exactly the same in every language. (laughs) Because people were screaming in that plane. And so I was confronted with the fact that I'm terminal and that one day I'm going to die. And the issue is, can you handle it? Can you handle that? Well, this book teaches you're not able to handle it. You don't even know anything about it. Nothing. Nor do you know how to live in this present world. You don't know anything about either. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, say not in thine heart who shall ascend up into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. And say not in thine heart who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. That's Paul's way of saying you don't know anything about heaven and how to be saved. And you don't know anything about death and what's beyond the grave. But Jesus Christ knows both because he came down from heaven. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life. Well, how could Jesus Christ be sent from the Father if he didn't know all about heaven, and he does. And Jesus Christ is the only one that died and was resurrected, that came back to the world and for 40 days walked this earth, showing himself alive by many infallible proofs to teach people what's on the other side. And Jesus Christ said more about hell than he did heaven. It was Jesus Christ that describes it. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. Torment. Forever and ever. And people in their foolish way of thinking think, I don't believe a loving God would do something like that, especially a good person like me. But that's because we read the Bible superficially and pass over lightly what Jesus Christ told the rich man in Luke chapter 18. He came to the Lord and said, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus Christ looked at that man and he said, There's none good but one. That is God. Do we believe that? You know, the time to learn that is today, if we've never thought about it before. There's no such thing as a good person. There's no such thing as a little child this big being told by a parent was a good child, good child. The Lord said there's none good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. They've all gone astray. That's what it says in Romans chapter 3. They've all gone astray. Every man is turned to his own way, which is self-centeredness. And that's the way we all are. And we need to be saved and come back to this oneness with Christ, which is a reversal of the problem of Genesis chapter 3. And so as we get into this final message, the things that I'm going to say are difficult to great to a great extent for us to process in our minds because. We do not know what it's like to live in a perfect world. We do not know what it's like to never for all eternity ever say to anybody, I disagree. I mean, think about it. The only people that are going to be in heaven are those that are one with Christ in the truth. And you will never run into anybody that's double-minded that thinks one thought independent from God. It ain't going to happen. You will never make the statement to anyone for all eternity to come. I disagree. It ain't going to happen. You know that if you study the Bible, and I have, and I can tell you that that's the truth, it's the way it's going to be. Now, there's a number of things I said last week that I was going to get into in the way of how things are going to be different, because God, and let me just say this again, It's very important that we understand why the Lord is talking about the new heaven and the new earth in his final revelation and prophecy. There is no prophecy. There is no message from heaven following Revelation 22. This is it. And so think about it with me. Why would God choose this to talk about rather than some other thing than new heaven and a new earth. Well, that's really not hard to understand. If you understand what happened in Genesis chapter 3, he created everything perfect because he wanted everything to be perfect forever. Even with those that were created in his image, what does that mean? In his likeness. To think his thoughts. To carry out his will, not our will. His will. Creating man in his image was not for us to go off with an independent will. There's no such thing as an independent will. When it comes to understanding truth, there are not two truths, There are not two gods. Jesus Christ said, I am the Lord, and beside me there is none else. He repeats it over and over and over in Isaiah chapters 40 through 46 or 8. Over and over, he repeats, he repeats, there's no other God beside me. Well, if we disagree with God, we're enthroning ourself as God, and that's not perfection. That's diversity of opinions, which is what's wrong in America today. It's why we're falling apart. We have forgotten God. We no longer put our hand on the King James Bible and swear to the one that wrote it that we'll uphold the Constitution of the United States of America because we don't believe there's a God that's really there. We don't even believe in the book that we put our left hand on, that it was written by God. It's the only truth there is. The only way of life there is. And again, I repeat to you, this is what Ben Franklin was thinking about when he told the woman. You've got a constitutional republic if you can keep it. If you cannot keep what you're hearing right now, and from this pulpit, you will lose your way of life. And that's exactly the direction America is going right now. And it's on the fast track to destruction. Because we have outlawed God. It's our pleasure to forget him. At least as a nation. But it's certainly not true right here at Calvary Memorial Church. And so the Lord has as his final thought this reminder to the world. You messed up my craftsman drill press, and I'm able to get me another one. And no one is ever going to mess it up. Because I want it to be perfect forever. And I want you, which is the pinnacle of my creation, you created in my image. I want you to be perfect, just like I am perfect, for all eternity to come. That's why Jesus Christ said, Walk before me and be ye perfect, even as I am perfect, saith the Lord. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with perfection? I love perfection. I love a perfect explanation. I love I love an answer that's perfect. I love I love it when somebody does something when they fix something and it's perfect. Perfect. I want it to stay that way. And Jesus Christ is bringing us to understand his love of perfection. And so if you look at chapter 21 with me, turn, put your eyes on it. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. This is the answer to the disciples' request of Jesus Christ Lord, teach us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. God is going to bring together that which was separated. I I tell the young people this in chapel pretty rarely. I say, young people, have you ever thought about why the disciples received that particular response From Jesus Christ when they said teach us to pray and the the Lord said pray our father which art in heaven have you ever asked yourself the question why is he in heaven folks you have to go back to Genesis chapter 3 to find out why he's in heaven we didn't want him on earth he used to be on earth And when Jesus Christ was walking in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? He was on earth. He was not in heaven. But you see, they manifest the fact that they didn't want him on earth. They didn't need him. They didn't need him. Because they were adequate without him, they could know truth. And they could create their own paradise, which is what Southern Pines and Pinehurst really seems to be all about. It's the retirement center of the world, it seems like. Everybody's moving here to their self-created paradise where they're going to retire and live happily ever after. That's the self-centered nature of mankind. Um, So Jesus Christ very politely left earth. And we've been praying our Father which art in heaven ever since. Why is he in heaven? Because we we cast him out. We cast him out. But God is reversing that in Revelation 21 and 22. And Jesus Christ is coming back to be with his bride in, in this holy union and communion forever. And Jesus Christ promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never ascend back into the heavens again where you've got to pray to me because I'm way up there in heaven Way away from where you are, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do we believe this? I do. It's in the book. It's right here. We're reading it right now. Is Jesus Christ wise enough? And does he have the power to have his will done? and create a new heaven and a new earth where heaven and earth become one. And God himself dwells in the center of the universe, which is a new earth for all eternity to come. He'll always be here with us. That's what these two chapters are about. If we fail to see this, we fail to see what is uppermost on the mind of God and his final message to the human race. And he tells us in chapter 22, uh, in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in The churches. In the churches. How many churches are there in America? Will ever have pastors in the pulpit that will teach people This amazing truth that is so special and so important in the mind of God that it would be the last thing that he talked about before he closed the canon of Scripture. Well, everybody that has their name... Not blotted out of the Lamb's book of life is going to be there. And that's what this chapter says right here. He says in verse 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, which is a future. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. What does this do? It's just a reminder of the problem in the Garden of Eden. They added to and took away from the Word of God. And it resulted in the enthroning of of those that were created in the image of God as independent gods, plural. And by the way, have we noticed in this world of diversity that everybody's got a different opinion about what's right and what's wrong? How can you have unity? How can you have civilization in a world where everybody is going around as an independent thinker writing their own book about how they think it should be. We're so confused right now, we don't even know the difference between a male and a female because of diversity. We're so deep in the woods, we've become schizophrenic. We don't even know how to relate to reality anymore. We don't even have the intelligence above a beast as Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes that man in his natural state has no preeminence above a beast listen the animals do not have a problem with male and female But man created in the image of God has decided it is not he that hath made us, we made ourselves. Psalm 100, I think it's verse 2 or 3, says it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You can't make yourself a male if you were born a female or vice versa. And so, wow, we've got 10 minutes. So I want to bring out some things that we find in Scripture that are going to be done away with by God. It's going to make this new heaven and new earth a wonderful place. And the first one we've already talked about. How the heaven and earth are going to be made one. And I'm not going to take the time to show you the different passages. I've got them right here. I just listed them down for my own failing memory's sake. But there are several places that, that talk about this. Where the center of the universe, which by the way is endless, I mean, when you're talking about infinity, when you're talking about no borders, where the universe is as big as God, who is without beginning or ending, where is the center in that? Well, the only way you can have a center is for God to give it a center. And he did. And God is going to dwell in the center of an infinite creation and it's on earth that's the center of the universe and he's given us a compass and the compass is himself and that's why on a compass a literal compass it always points north because the Bible says that's the dwelling place of God in heaven. That's where he is right now. And if you want to not be lost, then your needle, when you're out in the woods, is going to have to point toward God, or you're going to stay lost. There is practical reasons... For a compass. And the fact that it always points north. And if we looked it up, all you have to do is type the word north into your little iPhone under e-sword, and you'll find the Verse that tells you that's where the Lord dwells. You'll find it in Isaiah 14, where Lucifer wanted to ascend into the sides of the north. Why did he say that? Because Lucifer knows where God is. He's in the north parts. And God has given us this practical way How not to get lost. If you just understand the compass, it always points to God. If you want to get home, look at your compass and follow the needle, and it'll take you home to where your father is. That's why this is in the Bible. And so there are certain things that are going to be done away with. And that is the separation between heaven and earth. In chapter 21 of Revelation, God is going to do away with tears. He's going to do away with death and sorrow and crying and pain. And it tells us the former things are passed away. It says that. Can you imagine living for all eternity and not even knowing what a tear is? That's the way it's going to be. No crying. Never getting that phone call saying, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but your loved one has passed away. That'll never happen. there be no such thing as death. No such thing as sorrow. No such thing as pain of any kind. There are a lot of people suffering right now today in this world. We have in the past. We know what it's like to be sick and to get hurt really bad. And God never intended for that to be the case, never. He's a loving father. When he created Adam, it broke his heart, the suffering that was going to come into his life. And the life of his bride. Eve. In verse twenty one and verse five, or chapter twenty-one and verse five of Revelation, he said, I make all things new. I'm so glad that's in there, because I mean, can you not enter into the emotions of God? And that he is big enough to take everything back to what he originally wanted. And that's a perfect world forever. What is wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with that. In verse 1 of chapter 21, he says, There's no more sea. Now, You have to do a little bit of studying to figure out what that means and why that's important. But seas did not exist until after the flood. And what seas did was it caused division. And eventually, after the flood, you had continents separated. We're 3,000 miles away from Europe here on the East Coast and there's a division there and it's hard to go from one side to the other unless you got the money to buy a plane ticket or whatever. We're separated and it's out of mercy and grace that God did this because of what we discover in Genesis chapter 11 where man, apart from God, decided he was going to have unity without God. That, my friends, is impossible. Because of diversity, everybody's got a different view of what's right and wrong, what's good and evil. And so man was going to try to have his own truth and establish a name for himself, lest he be scattered throughout the whole earth. And so he built a Tower of Babel. And that's what Babylonianism is. It's what George H. Bush was talking about when he talked about a new world order. What was he talking about? He was talking about the nations of the world through the United Nations and the European Union and all these human strategies of having unity without God. And George H. Bush never mentioned God. His hope for paradise was the new world order. And so it's been ever since, and this is what's being rammed down our throat every day that we live. The new world order. And the Lord showed Daniel in his image of this figure When he comes down to the toes, he's showing the final picture of human history. Where the ten toes represent the nations of the world trying to come together. And the Lord said, you cannot mix iron and clay. And this is what we're finding right now. You can't mix the culture of the Chinese and the Japanese and and the Europeans and the South Americans and the people of the world. You can't mix those cultures together in such a way that we can have unity. The only way you can have unity is with a big gun or a big sword. And you take away free will and you say, you're going to do it or you're going to die. And so the New World Order, the method for bringing about is oppression. If you go to these communist countries, you see it everywhere. We're going to have unity, and here's the way we're going to be. The state is going to tell you how it's going to be, and you're going to do it, or we're going to kill you. That's the New World Order. We're going to have a global police force controlled by a dictator, a global dictator. And the day's going to come you won't be able to buy or sell without permission. And we're so close to that right now, it's unbelievable. They've already got stores in Europe where you have no money whatsoever, even a credit card. You just walk in the door. And instantly they know who you are, You just pick up what you want, and when you leave, it knows what you took with you. And computer technology has advanced so much that you can't go in that store and do anything unless you get with the program. And it won't be long before it's global, and it's coming right here to the United States of America. There's nothing we can do about it. It just got a light bill. In my little old house down there, there's two people living in it. $170.16. I wrote a little note in there when I paid my bill, sort of complaining about it. But what we're dealing with is a new world order. And we're losing government of buying for the people. And it now... Our government is is top-down government where the big corporations are getting together with the government, passing laws about how it's going to be. And so in our culture, we have lost sight of the individual. It's now the state. It's now global government and the powers that are going to run it. And that's where we're going. When you forsake God and you go out that way, that direction, away from nationalism, toward globalism, you are inviting the tribulation period. And God is not going to put up with it. And he's coming back with great wrath. Great wrath. And uh, we do not want to be on the wrong side. That's why the Lord said, Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. Choose you this day whom ye shall serve. If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if the Lord be Baal... Babylonianism then follow him and so right now we got a free will and we need to use it to choose the truth that is in Christ Jesus our time is gone Yours, this message before I pray I'd like to invite everyone to come to Monday night We're going to show a video that's approximately 58 minutes long. It's going to speak exactly to the New World Order and the uh, the uh, coming banking and medical and all kinds of stuff. So we're going to try to show that Monday night if you all would like to come. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the things we've heard. We thank you for the, the truth. Lord, that so many of us have accepted you as our Savior, and, and we pray, Lord, that the folks that listen will, will you know, not, not be rested until they know for sure that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the rest of this day, bless the meeting to come, and the singing, and we thank you so much.